of Hebrews chapter 10. Partly, while ye were, were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly, while she became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39 contains our subject, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. The term perdition, I remember it taught to me years ago, means destruction. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. And so I'm speaking again upon believing unto salvation. Now if you would, turn over to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. And I'm going to note verse 18 and verse 36. John chapter 3, verse 18 and verse 36. Yeah. <clears throat> he that believeth on him is not condemned, yeah. but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Again, believing unto salvation. This may be a familiar topic unto you. If it is, I'm very, very glad. If it isn't, I hope it will become familiar to you. Because certainly, we find today some glorious teachings in the Word of God as folks have been doing for generations. But I want to ask a question. First off, in the message this morning, has the gospel of God, which is the eternal gospel, has it been affected by the changes that have taken place down through the centuries? Has the gospel been affected in any way. All of us are changed by, as time goes by, aren't we? We change. We change physically. We change in a, so many ways. And a lot of things have changed technologically, medically, in so many uh, areas. Things have changed through the centuries. And yet we find that there is one thing that God has given to us, though there are others, 
But this is what we're going to take look very closely at this morning. And that is the gospel. It has not changed. Amen. And we note, of course, that many have become restless with the gospel of God. And we'll say or call it the gospel of old because it is. And they have become restless and they have come up with revolutionary to them and for them ideas of how that Christians ought to be taught and what they are to be taught. We are sometimes told, and I've made many references unto this, that the old doctrines need not to be restated. Because nowadays we have modern thought. And there are those who even scoff at the idea of conversion. They scoff at it. In fact, they don't know what in the world that it means. And simply put, it means a turning about 180 degrees. I once heard the illustration of how a fella had said, I think I said this too in the past, a fella, he, was, he, he got his feet stepped on, and you know how that expression goes. Says, well, somebody, they, what they said stepped on my feet or how they acted, stepped on my feet, something to that of uh, idea. And so the fellow said to him, says, well, your feet are pointed the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Because if they were turned about 180 degrees, wouldn't have gotten stepped on. So God turns us about. Amen. Not partially, but fully. Completely in the opposite direction. People scoff at that teaching. They make it unnecessary to be saved by grace through faith. And they treat sin as a very minuscule thing. Popular religions of the world reject the teaching of justification by faith. That is, one must be made righteous by Almighty God. I know what justification by faith has to do with. And I read where that had been described by one preacher of old, and he said it is a very humbling teaching. That's right. And there's not a whole lot of humble people in the, that I come into contact with. But yet, we read in God's Word, that God has a gospel that is humbling. Mm -hmm. And why it's so humbling is because it teaches us that we cannot think or believe that we can do anything of ourselves to get saved. Right. When God calls men into the ministry, He calls them to preach one thing. The word of God. Amen. And inclusive in that is of course the gospel. Because it is the revelation of God. Now I want to note three or four main lines of point this morning. And our first point is this. 
Because our subject is believing unto salvation. So what is the value and what is the importance of belief? Why is it so important? And why is it so valuable? No doubt many people have confused and entertained false ideas, beliefs, and hopes. And they will therefore not give it very serious thinking of what it means to believe in Jesus. You have people that you know. Some of you may have friends. I've had friends at times during my life. They weren't saved. They didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't believe in Him. Didn't mean that they weren't my friend. But there are people who do not believe in Jesus. They are seriously confused by a whole lot of things. Some won't say they're confused. The object of Christian faith, and I use that term, honoring God's word, the object of it is not in a thing, but in a person. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. It is a trust. It is not a trust in a creed. It is not a trust in a religion. It is not a mere intellectual uh, thinking. It is a trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many religions that teach a so-called faith that falls very short of saving faith in Christ to be taught. The Bible speaks of different kind of faith. James 2 and elsewhere, it tells us of a dead faith. There are other passages of scriptures that show us that not all who believe in some sense of the word of God are truly saved. They believe in this and that and a few teachings of the Bible. But the scripture says, He that believeth on me shall be saved. I know we believe with our minds. We do. And I've always heard the expression, and I think I've said this in the past, mind over matter, it don't work. I had a broken hip and a broken elbow because of a very humbling accident, I'll call it, that I had a year ago this past Memorial Day. And no matter how hard I may have thought in my mind that I could walk, I couldn't. And I certainly wasn't about to attempt push-ups. It had been a long time since I did a one-handed push-up. But the Bible tells us that faith reaches the heart. That's where it gets to. It reaches the heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And so, evidently, from what the Bible says, that it is much more than a mental way of uh, assessing it. 
it is much more than intellectualness, way above pride or arrogance. Yes, belief is very valuable and very important. The second thing about believing unto salvation is this. The object is Christ. And the second thing is this. The object of our faith makes all the difference. That's right. Makes all the difference. Folks believe in this and that and so many things today, don't they? They believe in a, a variety of things. One's faith must be in Christ. Right. And even if it's a person has the weakest faith, it's better than no faith. Amen. And so let us take that to heart. Because even the disciples, when Jesus gave them some wonderfully blessed teachings that he also gives unto us, they were weak in the faith, weren't they? But they had faith. Yep. People can have faith in lots of things and lots of other others than the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> But if it's not in him, they are doomed to what? Perdition. That's right. Destruction. And multitudes believe that their faith is just a part of one's imagination. Well, that won't get you too far. It might cause you to have some fears, but it won't get you to heaven. You see, the Bible teaches us that it is not agreeing with some theory of man. Neither is it having the kind of historical or uh, kind of faith in a Caesar or in a Napoleon or in an Abraham Lincoln. None of that kind of belief will save a person by grace. When one believes in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is an implication unto them that the scriptures have been a light to them. Right. It has been that which is revealing to them. Because it gets to a person's heart. So the third thing is, number one, the object of our faith. Two, the value and importance of faith in Christ. Three, what is it to believe Him? What is it to believe Him? Because we believe a lot of other people, don't we? When our companions tell us something, we believe it. When a boss tells an employee something, they usually believe it. And so many different situations, you better believe what is said to you or you could get into trouble. But this has nothing to do with believing in the Lord. What is it to believe in Him? Because this sentence, this question has been torn apart 
for centuries by theologians, by people who have had uh, so much learning and so much uh, education. And I'm not against either of those. But what is it to truly believe in Christ? Because certainly we know that there is a necessity of believing on Him and in Him. So what is it to believe? John chapter 5. The Gospel of John chapter 5. Now begin reading at verse 38. We believe in Him and the claims that He makes because they are positive claims. He said He's the Son of God, didn't He? That's who He is. In John chapter 5 and note verse 38. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye receive him. How can ye believe, which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God? Verse 47. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Because he referred to Moses. We've read that passage of Scripture before. These are the claims that Jesus made. Some of them. The Father sent Him. That's one of them. They searched the Scriptures. No doubt, these and others that Christ talked to during His earthly ministry searched the Scriptures. But they couldn't find Him because their eyes were blinded. Their hearts were hardened. But to those who did find him, and those who do so today when they search the scriptures, it's because the Lord opens them our hearts unto it. Amen. You believe and receive him, and he's real. Christ made definite claims. He made claims concerning the key to every aspect of life. And he actually claims that every life, people will discover that it is in him. I was going to preach, and God just said, nope, not this time, maybe never. But I was going to preach life for the body, life for the soul. And that life only comes from one source. Amen. It comes from God. Jesus claimed that belief is simple. Willingness to receive the claims that he made then shows one actual life. Eternal life. 
and a way of life. Now, modern day thinking discredits the claims of Christ. They totally toss them out and discard them. And yet there are those who claim to be Christian and they are being absurd and hypocritical because they deny the word of God. All kinds of religious people do this. There are those who have built up their own religious systems. My, they're built up on a very sandy foundation. And because they deny the word of God. But the scriptures say he's the only truth. And trust in God. Trust in a God who cannot lie. Who cannot make a mistake. And every word is true for time and eternity. The same gospel that saved me will save you that are here and lost. And that saved each of us who have believed on the Lord and received him in our hearts. How then, number four, how then can we know, and this is important, all of it is, but how can we know we have believed to the saving of the soul? Amen. Because a great expression I used to hear very, very often by my favorite preacher, whom the Lord called home in 1984. He used to say, you may not know, but I know. And that's what the Bible teaches, isn't it? We know. How can we know? Well, we must be sure, first of all, that our faith is rightly directed. Has to be rightly directed. Because as far as the scriptures teach us, God didn't say, God doesn't intend to ever save a demon. Never intends to. And his existence only causes them to tremble. Right. Just his existence. He doesn't have to do anything to them. He exists. And they therefore tremble. Mm-hmm. Neither has he ever made a promise in his word to save a person through faith in their cult, through faith in any false plan of man. He's never claimed that, never made that promise. He saves by grace through faith in the person who paid for our sins on Calvary's tree. And that and that alone. Folks don't think Jesus is very important today. He's the most important person that we know. The most important that we get to talk to. The most important that we get to hear talk to us. And so how can you know? Because God says so. Mm -hmm. We know that we have what? Turned. Been turned 
from darkness into light. We have been transformed. That's right. And so then our works as children of God become a practical test of our faith. Because the world can't see our faith, but they can see our works. And therefore, God says that they are the practical outcome of our saving faith. There can be no doubt of that outcome if a person's faith is in the Lord. There are going to be some works. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll bring this to a close in a few moments. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul believed in all of the writers of the scriptures. They believed of the importance of belief. Of belief in either the pictures that were given there in the Old Testament of whom that they did picture, that person, the Lord, and those of the New Testament. They believed in Christ that it was of supreme importance. It was of infinite value. And it was, is of eternal value. And a person whose faith rests in and on Christ makes no reservations about their faith in Him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, and note with me please, verse 12. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. You probably know this verse. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We just have proof after proof after proof of all of this great truth. When a person has a heart faith in Jesus Christ, then their hopes for the world to come be becomes a reality. It becomes more real to us. And Paul wrote in Hebrews 11, now we enjoy the substance. One day we shall see him who is invisible. Believing in him, it has to do with an entrusting in him for everlasting salvation. It has to do with entrusting yourself unto Him. Not a single one of us who are saved by the Lord ever leaned on Him and He let us go. True. Not a single one of us that the Lord has supported has He ever let down. Well, he's not going to start on this day and henceforth. If the Apostle Paul were here today, he would have no need to correct or qualify that wonderful utterance that God gave unto him. 
For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. He would make no apology about it. Right. Let us who are children of God make no apology for trusting in the Lord. Amen. And you that are lost, don't delay any longer. Amen. He is the object of faith. He is the most important uh, and valuable object that there is to trust in. If you never trusted in anything or anyone else, you still need to trust in the Lord. That's right. And we know that we have trusted in Him. And somebody else may doubt it, but we know. And a child of God may not even live like they're saved, because that does happen, but it doesn't mean that they're unsaved. And so we know. And did you know that the importance and value of faith in Christ, it supersedes a child of God's doubts. That's right. It supersedes them. And so man, the message. Be a great blessing to you. Or if you have heard it again, because the Bible just restates things over and over and over again. You hear the same thing taught and preached over and over and over again. Oh, how blessed it is mm -hmm. to be told of the glorious story of how the Lord saves, and He saves eternally. Mm -hmm. May God do a work in hearts today. Amen. Thank you. Do you want me to leave this on, Nate? Yeah, just leave everything on. Okay. Um, Brother Frankie, why don't you come over and sing a verse of invitation at this time. <clears throat> if the Lord's spoken unto you, we invite you to come. We've still got one more sermon after this, I know. But after that message, we want to feel impressed to the Lord to give an opportunity so while you're staying, we'll go ahead and sing a verse. And if you, Lord spoke to you, and you need to cry out unto the Lord, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And I sat under that preaching, and you sat under that preaching. I don't know to what degree but I know you have the last seven years and you've heard that preaching that only salvation's in Christ by grace through faith and so we implore you to call on him if you haven't to do so now mm -hmm. and that you would cry out unto him to be saved. So what number shall we sing? Page 62. We'll sing two verses, Pastor. Okay. It's okay. Yep. Just as